0: Come on, buddy. Okay, good morning, everyone. Just back from a very, very amazing men and fathers and sons camping trip. And Mr. Casey and Mr. Joe did an amazing job getting everything together. It was wonderful. So next time we do it, fathers and sons come out. Ignore the weather and the weather forecast, just come and have fun. It was chilly, it was in the 30s, I believe, Friday night, and there's no electricity, so it's just sleeping bags and whatever heat you can get, it was great. But for me, the nicest thing is sitting around the fire there and thinking, it can't be that cold, and people talking about, now after 9 o'clock, temperature drops quickly, it gets chilly. And it's going to get so cold and you better stay warm. And I'm thinking to myself, praise God, I'm preaching on Sunday. So I can't freeze to death tonight. (laughs) The bulletins have been sent out. Everything is done. Holy Spirit will keep me alive because I'm preaching on Sunday. So I had job security sitting around the fire at 30-something degrees at night. It was good. So. If you are 18 years old today, will you please stand up? Oh, oh yeah. Pastor Doug, I said 18. 18. God, we just bless this young man. We thank you for his life, and thank you for everything that you have for him, Lord. Thank you for protecting angels, guarding him. Thank you for your word, your grace, and your blood that speaks on his behalf. So we bless him on this 18th birthday, and we thank you, Lord, for his life and for who he is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so many ways I can approach or tackle today's message, so I'm just going to start off at one place and we'll see how it leads. But the longer that I minister, and I don't say that as this minister who's been ministering forever or so many years, some of you do realize that I have been ministering, I, even my life, Pastor Doug has been ministering and there are people in his church that have known Jesus and served Jesus for longer than I've been alive. That's how honorable the fathers in this house are, that they have been when I think, you know, I've seen this and there are people in here that have been serving God and being pastoring for longer than I have been alive. So honor to all the fathers and pastors dug out there that do that. But the longer that I do do this, I, I come across this more and more. And it doesn't matter whether it's in the prisons that I am, whether it's at drug places where people are battling to try to get their life right, or even just in church, is that people don't understand love, the love of God. And even this morning, as Pastor Doug was speaking about, is an invitation for the Father to us today, just of His love drawing us. And if we understand that better, then life will work better. But so many people have been brought up with a wrong understanding of the love of God, and not necessarily just of the love of God, but so many people have been brought up with a wrong understanding of love. Because yeah. you can watch movies and DVDs and read stories now. And I love you. Man, what is love really? Because it's so easy to chuck that word out there. Yeah. But if we look what true love is, First Corinthians 13, if we look at the love that Jesus and God has for us, to use that as just a phrase to say to someone, because... The reasons may not be right. It's very, very dangerous, and that's happening a lot as that word, love, gets thrown out there. And when it comes to the love of God, many, many people don't understand and don't walk in that, and that creates a problem. So today, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Um, In 1980, I was a young boy, nine years old in South Africa, and there was a gentleman who made a movie, and the movie's called The Gods Must Be Crazy. And it was it was clean, no sex, no violence, no, you know, dirty language. It was just a funny movie. Very few and far in between today that we find movies like that. But in this movie, it's about the Bushmen in South Africa. It's a tribe of people that live out in the desert. They are the most amazing people. They just live off the land. They live in the desert. So everything that they get comes from the land. They've never seen a shopping center. They don't know what electricity is. They live in the sand in the desert, and that's where they make their homes. So this movie was about this tribe, and what happened was one day some guy flew over in a little Cessna airplane, and he was drinking a Coke, and when he was finished with a Coke, he opened the window and he chucked the Coke bottle out of the plane. And it went, whoo, 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 whoo. it made a noise going down. So the, the leader of this tribe was walking and he heard this, whoo, 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 this thing coming down. And he looked and he, he was wondering, what did the gods send us today? So he went to this Coke bottle and he looked at it, and, and, and he stood back, and he touched it, and he, and he tipped it, you know, and never seen anything like it. And now they tell you what he's thinking. You know, it, it's like water, but it's harder than anything he's ever seen. And it, so he takes this Coke bottle back to the, the people, and he shows them, and they get the elders together. And they look at it, and they all decide and discuss amongst one another why God would send this thing to the tribe. What is God trying to tell them or give them through this, whatever it is? So, I mean, it's a funny, it's a little, you know, the one guy, elder gets his finger stuck in there and he can't get it out. And the little kids think he's joking, but he's not. His finger's actually stuck in there. And now they follow these people for, for a while and how this Coke bottle gets used now in this tribe. And they start using it to bash their calabashes and use it for things that, They needed stones and rocks to do so you can mash the corn very easily. And you can use this now for a lot of things. When they catch snakes, they would use this bottle to make the snake skin very, very smooth. So this has got 101 uses that they've never had something like this before. So this is amazing. But now even when you watch this program, what starts happening now is for the very, very first time, Something is needed by more than one person at a time. And now everybody needs to have this thing that they've never had need for before. So now, for the first time in this tribe, jealousy, malice, anger, bitterness starts happening because I need this thing. And They start fighting amongst one another to the point where at one stage, one lady is bashing her her corn. Another lady comes, just takes it away, and the two of them get into it. And they start pulling and pushing each other for this bottle. And and all these kids who are just playing there with little stones and whatever they do, they're watching this because they've never seen fighting amongst them before. It doesn't happen amongst them. And now something has entered the camp that is not good, and this is so strange because they don't know what it is. But you can see that it's it's not a good, pleasant feeling. So lo and behold, the one lady takes a coke bottle and slams the other lady over the head with it. Boing! You know she goes down, and as soon as she does that, she realizes that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that, but it's a bit late now. So the other lady's lying there, and then they go and they show the the chief, and the chief takes this bottle out of anger. And he walks to the side, and their language just sounds like a bunch of clicks. They speak like that. And he takes this thing, and he shouts at the gods. And he says, take this thing back. We don't want it. And he throws it up in the sky, maybe not knowing what goes up. (laughs) So the little kids are playing over there. And lo and behold, the gods did not take it back, but it came down from as high as he chucked it and hit his daughter on the head. So now there's pandemonium in the camp. So he takes this bottle and he goes and he tries to bury it. And he's so angry and he's telling the gods they shouldn't have brought this thing. This is now causing so much anger in the camp. And he goes back and that night they're all sitting around the, the little fire that they have. There's not one smile. Nobody's joyous. And now they talk about this thing that came in between them, how it was so wrong. And I'm going somewhere with a story, so (laughs) follow me. I'm not doing a movie review. Whenever you and I do not know the purpose of something, abuse is inevitable. If you do not know why something is created... What it is made for, that thing, whatever it is, will be abused. And you can see it in tangible things like that bottle, or you can see it in things that you can't just put your hand on. For example, marriage. If you don't understand what marriage is there for, why God instituted marriage and said, this is the way it shall be between a man and a woman, if you don't understand that, if you don't understand your your role as a husband, if you don't understand your role as a wife, there will be abuse in the marriage. And anything that's created, if you do not know the purpose for it, there will be abuse. It's like that television advert. I don't even know if it's still on where the daughter buys her father an iPad and she hands him an iPad thinking, I mean, obviously he's going to use it. This is great. And Sometime later, she comes, turns around to her dad and says, hey, dad, how's this iPad working out? And he's in the kitchen chopping vegetables on the <laughs> iPad, using it as a chopping board. And she's looking at this, and he puts the vegetables into the pan or the pot, whatever, he takes the iPad and puts it into the dishwasher. Because he did not know the purpose of an iPad. So when you and I do not know the purpose of our lives abuse is going to be inevitable so child of God what is the purpose of your life why are you here what were you created for and if you and I do not know that abuse will take place and that's what we see all around us now, is that lives are used and abused because people don't understand the purpose of life, why we breathe. Why are you here? Not in this building, not in this house, here on earth. What is God's purpose with you, with your life? Why were you created? And we're going to look into that a little bit today. Um, If we can go to John chapter 20, verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. So according to this verse, according to this statement, There is a reason, there is a purpose for you and for you being sent. And if you and I do not know the reason or the purpose of why we are here and why we are sent, abuse is going to be inevitable. So Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so also I send you. So if we look at that, we have to know, according to this verse, why Jesus was sent. Because Jesus says, as the Father sent me, in other words, the Father had a purpose, he had a reason, and he sent me. So as he sent me, okay, why was that? Why were you sent, Jesus? But as he sent me, so I send you. There's a reason behind you being sent as well. And if you don't know why you are sent, what you're supposed to do, it's not going to work the way it should. So okay, Jesus, why were you sent? Why did the Father send you? And then why do you send us? How are we sent? So we can find in the scriptures so many things that Jesus did or that Jesus was sent to do that we can't do, which is obvious. But I found out these days that you mustn't assume anything standing behind this pulpit because people can twist your words. Maybe people just do not understand. So There are a lot of things that Jesus did that we cannot do. There were a lot of things that Jesus was sent to do that you and I cannot do. So a couple of obvious things. Hang on the cross to pay for the sin of the world. We can't do that. Obvious to us, but that was Jesus. I've said it myself when I realized my sin and how dark my life was. I said out of ignorance, it should have been me on that cross. If I was on that cross, wouldn't do anything but just cause pain to my body. Because Jesus had blood type G flowing through his veins. I've got blood type O or A. My blood type would not save anyone's sins by me hanging on a cross. As much as I wanted to because I repented and I saw the darkness of my life, me hanging on a cross would do nothing for you. So that's why Jesus came so that he could do that. I can't. Jesus came to do so many other things. We can't claim that in the beginning was I. I was with God and I was. No, you can't claim that. That was Jesus. Just him. So you can't say that these things that Jesus did Well, why this preacher man says I should do. No, you can't do that. That was just on him. But now there are so many other things that Jesus did do. Now he turns around and he says, Rifle, now you go and you do the same. Rifle, you go out and you make disciples because I did it. Okay, that I can do. Not I can do, I'm commanded to do. It's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. It's a command. Go into the prison." Go and send, go and visit, go and do these things. Forgive, turn the other cheek. Yeah, all of these things I can do. And all of these things Jesus did, but now I can see how he did it and why he did it. And because he did it, now I can learn from him through Holy Spirit who enabled him to do what he did. So there's certain things we can't do that Jesus did and certain things we can do. So I want to look at one thing here. That is so important that I think we need to take a very, very deep look at. Um, All the things that I've mentioned, you know, go out and heal the sick, do this, do that. They all come out of one thing. If you don't have this one thing, if you don't understand this one thing, all of that is not going to work. And the one thing I'm talking about is love. If you don't understand, if you don't walk in, if you don't have that love, all the things, the making disciples, the turning a cheek, the doing that, it's not going to work. It's now going to be religion and works based instead of out of love. And when we understand the love that God has for us, the love that we should have now for other people, then it's not works-based and religion. Now, it's because of our relationship and understanding love that we can do it. So we want to look today at love. So there's so many things even today uh, that we speak about, you know, your, your gifts and your talents, which are really, really very important because Jesus speaks in the Word about gifts and talents. He talks about it. There are chapters, there are parables about it. So it's important. We have courses here at church to try and teach you and help you discover your purpose, your gift, your talent. Paul writes about chapters in the Bible about, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And he goes into the gifts of the Spirit and he goes into talents and callings. But so many times these are elevated above you and I walking out the love of God and staying in the love of God. And now my gift and my call gets exalted above the love of God, and now it doesn't work. And now it becomes, I have to do that because of, no, I don't have to. I do that because of my love. I can be that, and I can do my gift, my talent, my call well because of who I am in Him, His love for me. So I'm not against gifts and talents and calls and purposes. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is, Where Paul writes and he says, as it pleased God, you have been placed in the body to fulfill a purpose and a role. So what is your purpose? What is your role? But you know you can only do that if you walk in the love of God properly. So we have to find the love of God first. So we all for gifts and talents and all of that. But let's go look at a couple of verses here. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So who's speaking here? Abba, Father, saying about Jesus, This is my beloved Son. Okay, so Jesus getting baptized here. No miracles yet. Hasn't done anything amazing yet. We know not too much about the life of Jesus. We know one or two stories. About what he did, uh, he, his mother lost him or he didn't go with them when they were moving around. They were looking for him. And he says, I'm all about the father's business. These are one or two things we know about him. He hasn't done any miracles, but yet the father says, this is my beloved son. Not the amazing miracle worker. Not the one who moves mountains and does, he says, this is my beloved son. That's the way the father... Do you think God could have addressed Jesus or let the people know something other about Jesus than the fact that he was just a son? Could he have spoken other words about Jesus? But what did the father choose? What was in the father's heart when he described Jesus? This is my son. This is my son. How do you, when you describe yourself to other people, how do you describe yourself? Do you describe yourself as a son or daughter? Or do you describe yourself as a mother, father, parent, teacher, apostle, evangelist, teacher? Or do you describe yourself as, man, I'm a daughter of the Most High in whom He is well pleased? Because if we don't get that understanding of who we are, everything else that we do will not work the way it will and you'll burn out in your gift and your talent and your call and your destiny and all of that if that is not done through the love of God so in Matthew yeah father speaks and he says this is my beloved son because what I want to see is that how did the father send Jesus as a son how does Jesus send us as a son or a daughter that's what we're looking at today. Then later in the same book, Matthew 17, verse 5, this is while they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. What an amazing story. And once again, this is the Father speaking about Jesus. Now Jesus has done miracles. Man, Jesus is the man. He just did so many amazing things. Raised the dead, multiplied food, walked on the water. Goodness be. But yet, in this amazing experience that these disciples are having with Jesus, how does the Father choose to explain to them who they're dealing with here? Once again, what does it say? While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly, those, those suddenlies, man, they're good. They're good. When it suddenly happens to you, you were in pain, something was so bad, and suddenly there was no more pain. Wow, suddenly. There was no money to pay rent, and suddenly the rent was paid. There was just arguing in the house. There was just discord. There was a, and suddenly the peace of God flooded your heart, and you said, I'm wrong, it's me, forgive me. And, and there was suddenly. So all of this is happening on this mountain. They go up there. They see the disciples. They see Jesus and his clothes transformed. Everything's happening. This is so amazing. And suddenly, a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. Could God have said so many other things about Jesus? What did he choose to say? How did he once again introduce Now the Jesus people knew and and walked with and ministered with and slept in the same house and went on mission trips and boat tours and all of these things, they know Jesus. The Father could have said so many other things, but he chooses once again to say, hey, guys, my son. And you and I need to get to that place where no matter what happens around us in this world, because, man, we can start over there from Tiffany in this chair and we can go all the way to the back of the church. And everyone can tell us a story of how things didn't work and what's coming against them now. Children not serving God, marriages falling apart, people just being whacked, you losing your job, all these things happening. And if we look at those things outside of us being a son or a daughter, those things will carry so much more weight and distract us away from God's perfect plan for our lives. And many of us have been duped in thinking that that is greater or that carries more weight than being a son or a daughter of the Most High. How do you relate to yourself when it comes to God the Father? As a son or a daughter? Or as anything else? Because anything else comes out of being a son or a daughter. So God the Father, once again, He says, this is my beloved Son. So... Um, Let's go to a couple of verses here. Let's go to 1 John 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God? Do you relate to yourself in any other way but in being a child of God? When you think about yourself, what is the first thought that comes to you in your life? Are you a teacher? Are you a lawyer? Are you a doctor? Are you a whatever? Or are you a child? What is the first thing that is so solidified in your mind that when you think of yourself, you think of child, Abba, daddy, baby? Because if we have that amazing revelation of who Abba is and who we are, then things will work because it all comes out of what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. There's no greater thing than to be called a child of God. That's the greatest manner of love and honor that you and I can ever, ever receive from anybody people go on stages and they 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 graduate and they get degrees and doctorates and uh what do the movie stars get when they the oscars and all of those things and their red carpets and it's so shiny and the paparazzi are there their flashes and pictures and all of that way beyond that if you stand up there and you say, wow, I received this as a child of God. I'll probably cut it out of TV now because they don't, literally, they don't want that to be heard. But how many people stand there and receive the honor and the glory that comes to us because, how did you do this? Because <sighs> I'm a child. Child of who? What do you, child of God. Because this manner of love that he allowed me to be called by that name. Many people are embarrassed to be called by that name today. We don't want to go into the office or work or someplace where we don't want people to know that I'm called by that name. Meanwhile, it's the greatest manner of love that you and I can receive is being called by that name because Abba bestowed that upon us. Let's go to John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become, there it is again, children of God. To those who believe in his name, he gave the right To be called children of God. The most amazing thing about this is who wrote both of these books? John the? Ah, not John. John the Beloved. The one who writes craziness about the disciple that Jesus loved. Like he didn't love all the others. He didn't hang on the cross for everyone else. Just for Johnny. Everyone's sitting at the table and they're looking. Well, some, someone's going to deny. Uh, hey, John, you ask him because he'll tell you. He can put his head on the bosom of Jesus. Was no one else allowed? Was, there, was Jesus wearing a t-shirt? Nobody but John. Or did John just... Let's go to this verse. Did, did John just another verse that he wrote? Let me find it here. I believe it's first John 4 4.16, I think. Yes, there. Look there. Did John just do this for him to put his head on, on, on the bosom of Jesus? Did John just do this to stay at the cross, to go into the te- to to the court where everything was happening and stand with those people? Did John just do all of that because John says, and we have known, because we all know about the love of God. You can't live in America and say that you've never heard about the love of God. You cannot have watched a NFL football game and not seen John 3.16. You know about the love of God. If you've come to this house, you've heard about The love of God. But there's a huge difference, and that's the gap in life between knowing, believing. And then from knowing to believing and doing or living what you know and believe. So, man, I can write pages on the love of God. I can tell you what the love of God is. This is wonderful, the love of God. Yeah, like I said last night, God is able to make all grace abound. Yeah, hallelujah. Yeah, that's great. For you? No, maybe not for me. And this is the same. John says, for we have known and believed. Is that why he could put his head on the bosom of Jesus when nobody else did? Is that why he could write the disciple that Jesus loved? Because he just believed the love that Jesus had for him. And when you believe, when you have that love relationship, man. History tells us, if I'm not mistaken, that they boiled the man in oil. And the love of God on the inside of him was hotter than the boiling oil and he got out alive. History tells us the word. They got so angry at him, they didn't know what to do. Kick him, just take him to the Isle of Patmos. Just get this guy away. We don't want to see him. Just put him somewhere where nobody will find him. Everyone will forget about him. Just move him away from the people because of this love thing. Bam, book of Revelation on the Isle of Patmos. Where nobody must find him. Where nobody must know who he is. Why? Because he knew and believed the love of God. And if you and I don't believe the love that God has for us, do you realize why you are on earth today? Do you realize how long God dreamed about you before he made you? Do you realize who you are? He could have given you different eye color, could have put you in a different family. Could have made you a different color skin. Could have given you different hair. But he chose you the way you are because you are perfect like that. Do you know that? Because when you know that, then life will work and Everything that comes against us does not compare to the love that God has for me. And it has to lose its power. It has to lose its draw. I cannot pay attention to that because I know and I believe the love that God has for me. If we can just a whole Sunday just have praise and worship. And then just keep quiet for an hour and meditate and think about, man, the manner of love that God has for you. And because of the world and the enemy coming at you all the time with lies, you see something different in the mirror than what he sees when he looks at you. And when we can come like John and know and believe the love, we can start walking that out. In our connections class, Pastor Autumn two or three weeks ago spoke, and he spoke about the Connections class, and we believe in encountering and equipping and engaging. And in the Connections class, we teach when you go out and you encounter people, we add something behind that. Encounter people with the love of God, which is amazing. sounds great. Encounter people with the love of God. The problem is what happens if you don't know the love of God? Because then your encounter is not good. If you encounter people with the way you see things or the way the media portrays things or anything other than how God sees them, not going to be good. And that's why we say encountering people with the love of God. When you come to the Connections class, that, that, that's one of the things that we do. This is what we try. This is our mission. This is what we do in this house is encountering people with the love of God. And because of encounter, here, yeah, so many people that have been changed. Why? Because people that came to me and just encountered me, they did it with the love of God. They didn't judge. They didn't show the finger. They didn't bring anything bad but just the love of God. There's another thing we do in, 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 in our Connections class, and that is that we talk about God's original design for man. And if we go back to Genesis and we see God's original design, that's what we believe God still wants for us today. God's original design, because original design means purpose. And if you don't know the purpose, there will be abuse. But if you know the purpose of why you are here, if you know the reason you have been made. And you're not in the church, you know, we read and Paul writes in the book of Ephesians about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, all of that. You first a child of God before you are that. And if you do anything that you do out of what you are called to do other than a child, a son or daughter of God, it's not going to work. Because you see in the beginning, in the very beginning, man's original design. What was the purpose of God? God could have made anything, but he didn't. He made someone he could talk to. He made someone he could have relationship and covenant and, and be on the same level. Understand me what I say by being on the same level. God is God, but he can talk to Adam and Eve in language where any animal couldn't do that. It was all about relationship in the garden. I've heard so many amazing sermons and teachings on, and it's true, I'm not mocking that, but God gave man a job before he gave him a wife. True, it's in there, but you know that God gave man relationship before he gave him a job. And if your job or your call or your purpose is not done out of relationship with him, it's not going to work. And we, God bless People's heart, we we seek the desire, we seek the purpose. Why are you here? What's your place? But that comes out of you being a child of God. What was the first thing when Adam opened his eyes? What was the first thing that he experienced? We don't know how long God planned this. No idea. We don't know how long. God began the beginning. He started the start. He just always was. He's just there. How long was he? I don't know when the beginning began, but he began it. I can't answer you when everything started, but when it did start, he started it because he was before the start. So he had so much time to think about creating this being whom he chose to have relationship with. And when that thing, that being opened its eyes... What was the first thing that was spoken over it? What did God do? He blessed. Yes. Through relationship, he blessed man. That's the purpose of man, to live a fulfilled life through relationship with him. Yes. Out of that relationship comes your job, your call, because then God takes him to the garden, puts man in the garden. Then comes Eve. All of that stuff, It's wonderful. But it all started out with God saying, man, I long to have a relationship with people that are like me. I long to have conversations with people made in my likeness so that we can sit for hours and talk about things And when we have spoken for hours about things that him and I or she and I are busy with talking about, then they can go into their call and their purpose. And too many people skip the relationship part and go into the work or the call or the purpose part, and that's not working because we first get all of that out of relationship with him. Man, child of God, do you realize who you are? How long did God plan you? How many times do you look at yourself and you unhappy, you're not, you're not grateful, you, I should have been, I should have, this is not. Man, don't do that. Do you know who you are? Do you know how many eons upon eons of time it, it took to plan you? I look at people who make buildings or cars, and they got the blueprint, and they draw it down, and they write it, and they're so proud of that, and it's so amazing. And look, yeah, this is how it started. God's got a blueprint as well. That comes from the inside of Him. There's no paper that could hold it. There's no drawing that could make up this wonderful man that He created to have relationship with Him. So He couldn't. It just came out of Him. And if we believe and know that that is for you and me, life will work. Yeah. Nathan now is six. He's, he understands gifts and presents and rewards now. He, he gets it. He's got it down. Doesn't have to be Christmas or birthday. It's, it could be Mother's or Father's Day. He knows gifts, presents, that's, he, he knows that when he was one or two, didn't get it, three, maybe had a bit of understanding, four, yes, now, man, he, he can tell you about presents and gifts, and the other morning when I was in my quiet time, just sitting with God, God showed me this example, and, and every time I've mentioned this, because last week Sunday, I was in the woman's prison, and I gave them this example, people think it's funny, because it does sound funny when you think about it, but it, it was such a Intimate moment that God was showing me something about our or my relationship with him. And he said, For your birthday or for Christmas, because what we do is we wake up early in the morning when it's Christmas or birthday. The first one who's up, they can wake the rest of the house up, and that's fine. So Nathan comes into my room. And he says, Daddy, I got you a present. And he wants me to open his present first. Push mommy out of the way. <laughs> yeah, take this one. Take this one. Look here. This is what I got. This is, this is my present for you. Now, God said to me, rifle, you don't at that stage just sit on the bed and say, and, and this is in all seriousness. Do you think I'm a fool, Nathan? Do you think I'm stupid, you think, I don't know that that present, you don't even have money. Where, that is my money that you use to buy me a gift. <laughs> you don't have a job. You don't wake up early in the morning and go out and see people and deal with stuff. And when money comes in, you don't do that. You do nothing around this house but eat and sleep and play soccer and go camping. That's what you do. You don't bring anything to this house. Nothing but your presence. So don't tell me this is my gift to you, because that gift is from my money. I'm not stupid. I know where that comes from. No, I take that gift, and for the rest of the day, I walk around, and I tell everyone who comes, look what Nathan got me. Look what my boy got me, six years old, and he got me this because he knew I wanted a Harley Davidson cup or a green shoe, whatever it is. But Nathan got this for me. This is his present to me. And the only reason, the only reason Nathan can get that for me is because I got it first and I allowed him. I gave it to him. In other words, he can love me with that because I first loved him. As sick and demented as sound, I could have aborted that life. I could have said, too much trouble, don't want you, too much money, how much money it costs to raise a child this day, so we don't want you. Bam, gone. But because I first loved him, he can now come to my bed and love me. God says, I do exactly the same with you. Don't you forever, one second, think that I don't remember that everything that you have is because I wanted you. I chose to create you the way you are. So you can come to me and bring me presents and gifts because everything you have is because I allowed you to have it. And I loved giving it to you. I can go as a teacher of the Word. I can go and listen every week. I can listen to whoever you like. It can be Charles Stanley, Andy Stanley, Joyce Myers, people from Bethel. I don't care who you like. I can listen to their stuff every week, and I can come here and preach on Sunday. And I can call myself a teacher. But you know where I get the stuff that I do? is by being a child and a son first. And when I spend my time with him, this stuff comes out of that. Because sometimes in my mind, I think, goodness me, you've got to do this next week again. How, where are you going to get what people don't, how people don't want to hear you? You think, really, you, you've got enough, you're good enough. And the enemy comes and says, you can't keep on doing this Sunday after Sunday. Every week you go into the prison, come up with new stuff that people want to hear you. And... But you know what? When I'm a child... And him and I spend time, he shows me stuff and I get stuff and, and people want to hear that. But before I'm a teacher, before I came here, before I got the green card, before the church asked if I wanted to be here, I came as a son. And out of my sonship, sonship came the green card. Out of my sonship came everything that we needed. And it works the same for you as well. You see, Nathan plays soccer now and... He plays in a a group, and they got girls and boys, and they all play together, and some of the kids are bigger than others. So Nathan is in in this group. He's pretty good, and he scores goals, and he counts the goals. What would happen if Nathan relates to us on his ability and his gift or purpose of scoring goals rather than being our son? Because you see what's going to happen one day is he's going to have an open goal in front of him, And his goal that he scores now is going to win the game for his team, and he's going to miss the goal completely. What do you do when your gift doesn't work anymore? How do you relate to Abba Father then? Because now the whole team's going to come. Man, if you just kicked that goalie wasn't even there, you missed the whole goal. Now we didn't get the cup, and we lost because of you. Man, yeah, blah, 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 blah. How's that gift working now? What do people come and say to you now? Because that what makes you you, your gift, didn't work so well. So who are you now? Man, you know what I missed the goal, but man, if Nathan comes, I can tell you now that should that ever happen, Tiffany and my love will be greater for him that day when he missed the goal than ever scoring ten goals in one game. When he comes and he says, Man, I missed the goal. It didn't work, we lost and we like so we were next to the field and we were cheering and we were so happy to watch you play and have fun doesn't matter if you miss the goal what matters is that you know that when you miss the goal our love for you did not change cause our love is not dependent on you just like god's love towards us doesn't change If you are here right now, for whatever reason, I don't care if you're a visitor, if you're here for so many years, if you are here and you know that you lack or you're not doing the love of God right, I want you to come to the front because God wants to touch you right now with his love. So if you are here and these words touch and you said, man, that love, I'm doing stuff other than out of the love of God, Come to the front because He wants to touch you now with His love. That's what He wants to do. Forget about your neighbor. Don't look around. If you need to step into that un- Conditional love of God. Receive that unconditional viewpoint of yourself. Come to the front. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would open our eyes to see with your vision. That we would look at our lives, that we would look at ourselves the way you look at us, the way you see us. That we would look at ourselves through your heart. That we won't look at ourselves through our job, through our position, through our calling, but that we would look at ourselves through the eyes of being a child of God as you bestowed this kind of love upon us and that we would not look at ourselves and our lives through anything other than the love of God so right now I pray for hearts that lack that vision I pray that those hearts would open right now and receive receive right now with meekness God's love for you, 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 right now. God's love over you. Where God would say, this is my son, this is my daughter, before he says anything else. So thank you, Holy Spirit, now for revealing and touching hearts to see with your eyes what you see and how you see. And when we walk and live out of that love, everything else will work and everything else will fall into place. When we receive our sonship, we do life out of a relationship and not because of anything else. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing right now your unconditional love to each of us standing here If you need prayer, there are prayer ministers here. If you're here in the front, stay here. Just stay here. Holy Spirit is working. God bless. If you have to go, we'll see you next week. If you need prayer, come to the front.